Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are um, who are who are sad today. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Oh, going with the uh, the serious introduction. Um, yes, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. Um, we don't normally exercise this amount of good taste, so uh, in- enjoy it. Chuck's looking at me very suspiciously right now, like I have, uh, <laughs> I have something up my sleeve. This is Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter, at Producer Gene. And yeah, I uh, actually worked today. So uh, work is kind of slow on Sundays, so I had lots of time to uh, flip around and watch a lot of media coverage of the day's events. So uh, I got a lot of opinions. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know how you you may not have known, but if you're just hearing this and didn't know, um, absolute stunner today. Uh, we find out about the uh, the, the death of uh, just legendary superstar Kobe Bryant. Uh, and I mean, that's the only way I can describe it as, a, as an absolute stunner. Um, I was just chilling on the couch playing some video games and my wife just sticks her phone in front of my face saying nothing. Uh, and she shows me the TMZ headline and I was like, I had to read it three times. And then I said, is this is a, this is like a gag thing because it couldn't have been. It's just so strange coming off of the, the Saturday night game, uh, where LeBron breaks, well, Pat surpasses him for third place on all time scoring. Uh, it just seems so strange that that it would happen today. I guess it would be strange if it happened any day. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a, I mean, a fluky and tragic situation, but I had a similar experience. I mean, um, no one had shown it to me, but I saw it on Twitter. But I also, Kobe's name all morning because, you know, LeBron had passed him and it happened in Philly and was a good win by the Sixers. And I think Le- um, Kobe congratulated LeBron on like Instagram or something. So they're like his name was in the air already. And when I saw like the, the first thing I saw was reaction with no context. It was like, oh, my God, this can't be true. And I'm like, what on earth are people talking about? And I saw, you know, Kobe Bryant and helicopter accident. And and I was like, you know, I was stunned, obviously, because it's not something that you can expect or anticipate or anything like that. And then as much as, well, almost as much as the happening, the reaction was so universal. I I don't think I recall anything like that in in sports in our lifetime, certainly not in this in this digital age that the something like this happens and everyone is just in shock. Yeah, I I, I mean, I just can't I cannot get over this whole like the timing of this and um I don't. Did you guys see the comments that LeBron had? Not today, but after the game in in Philly on Saturday night. The interview where he was talking about the first time he met Kobe. Yeah, kind of. It, it, it's 
like I'll just read you the quote if you haven't seen you know if you haven't heard it yet uh James said it's just too much it's too much the story is too much it doesn't make sense just to make a long story short now I'm here in a Lakers uniform in Philadelphia where he's from the first time I ever met him he gave me his shoes on all-star weekend it's surreal it doesn't make no sense but the universe just puts things in your life and I guess when you live the right way, when you just give it everything to whatever you're doing, things happen organically. I mean, Je- it Jesus could almost Christ. be something that you yeah. would say today. Yeah, that that's a that's a eulogy practically. Well, the interesting yeah, and- the interesting precursor to that story is it, James is talking about he gets a pair of sneakers from Kobe when he's doing what you know he's in high school when he's doing one of those uh, you know. If you remember back to when when LeBron was in high school, ESPN was showing his high school games on television, and I think he was playing in like either a, a travel tournament or he was in the area playing, uh, playing a local team and and met met Kobe. Kobe handed him literally a almost basically a pair of shoes off his feet, and it's amazing how. Uh, Le- LeBron was able to like articulate it was like this series of Kobe shoes and 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 the color and everything you know somebody who has designed his own shoes that are even more iconic or at least equally iconic uh, to to hear him talk about that as if this was um, one of the Olympians coming off the mountain and handing mm-hmm. him uh, you know the, the 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 wand of thunder or something and. Uh, LeBron said, even even then, by this point, Kobe is an established superstar in the NBA. Uh, LeBron is a high school kid, probably seventeen, and uh, LeBron was a shoe size smaller than Kobe, and uh, he was a fourteen. Kobe was a fifteen, and LeBron went and played the next day against Carmelo Anthony, uh, the first time they ever played against each other in high school, in shoes that were a size too big because they were the ones that Kobe Bryant had handed to him. Uh, to listen to him talk about it, to to see somebody who has become larger than life, this was the person that he looked up to. This was the person that was larger than life to LeBron. There's probably very few people in the realm of basketball that LeBron would say are larger than life to him. Uh, and certainly very few people that he was semi-contemporary to. LeBron and, and Kobe... You know, there was a chance they would have played each other in a finals game. It never happened, but they did play in the same same era uh, against each other many times. So it's it's fascinating to hear. You know, it's not like somebody talking about Wilt. You know, meeting him when he was a kid. This is a guy that he ended up playing against, competing against, scoring against, and um, it was just really interesting to hear how much his career and and how much knowing him meant to arguably what could be at the end of his career if not the greatest basketball player ever certainly the the other the only other person other than michael jordan in the conversation and when you bring that up gene i think of two things one for the love of god don't let mitch album get a hold of this story i don't want to watch this movie i don't want to read this book and two we forget just how young like the phenoms are, you know, to say when someone comes in the league saying, I grew up watching this guy or he was my hero. And you think back to like, when was the most influential time, you know, watching sports in your, your development, you know, you might say like, you know, 12 to 14 years old. Yeah. And that was, you know, 
four to six years removed from being in the league. <laughs> so like it's saying like, you know, I idolize this guy and there are also contemporaries that might seem disjointed. But if you think about it, you know, someone coming in and being such a dramatic influence in the league so early in their life, it, it does make sense to, you know, that they both be, you know, contemporaries and, and the guys very unique in that way. Yeah, I mean, I hate to bring it always back to hockey, but sure. at the NHL draft, they go, who'd you grow up watching? And people go like, jo- you know, Johnny Goudreau, like Johnny Goudreau is 24. Right. Sure. <laughs> but it's but it's true. It's, you yeah. know, we have our childhood heroes and then the, the people are in, in our adolescence that we can really, you know, strive to model our game after when you get some of those adult skills. And yeah, Dave, I, I do think you're right. The the NBA probably has a higher percentage of elite players at, you know, 19, 14. 20, 21. Yeah, sure. uh, I, I think it's, you know, my kids when they um, when they're like throwing uh, clothes into the hamper or whatever, uh, they, they yell out, they yell out curry. So if they're like throwing something away, they'll you know, fall <laughs> up and they'll throw, they'll curried it. That's, that's like the, the, what they say, curried it. Um, and then I saw a lot on Twitter today of people saying like that. So we we shouted Kobe whenever we threw away like a balled up piece of paper or, you know, socks or whatever in a hamper. Um, so I think that that's, I mean, that's indicative. I, I never yelled out Jordan when I did that, but. No, I didn't either. I feel like that's that's who I would have yelled out, you know, when I was a kid if I did that. And, uh, you know, it just, you know, Kobe's just, it's he's so, it's so big and it goes so far beyond basketball. I mean, have you, did you guys see the, um, the deer basketball short animated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's great. And it just, you know, it just speaks to the level of dedication and like just the warrior and the, the competitor that he was. And he's just such a, such an assassin. And, and you know, it, Kobe's always that guy that when we bitch about Ben Simmons, Kobe's name gets brought up. <laughs> That's like, why you have that killer instinct like Kobe? Oh, I mean, that is both true and horribly unfair to Ben Simmons. It's, you know, it was the thing that made. Well, we're not saying Kobe like, Ben, you need to score 80 points in a game oh, yeah. or, you know, anything like that. We just want you to try. Well, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I understand yeah, the point. I, I, I understand I where coming. Unfair, but, but it's twenty-three years old or whatever. You no, but it's the the conversation of like, is there such a thing as a clutch player? Who do they use in all of the, you know, um, analytics? But Kobe, you know, mm-hmm. if there's if there's the defining trait to his career is Kobe in the clutch, and you know, the, the guy really was the bridge from Jordan to LeBron. You know, I, everyone knows I'm not a huge basketball guy, but when Jordan left the NBA for the second time, uh, post-baseball, pre-Wizards, um, it really did feel like this huge vacuum of what on earth is basketball going to do. And you had talk of, well, there's Shaq, there's AI, and then there's Kobe. And, you know, looking back, it's Kobe. It is 
Jordan to who on earth is going to follow him. It was Kobe. And then the next one being LeBron. Yeah. I mean, Kobe had that staying power. I mean, he was the 20 years, 20 years of Kobe Bryant. I think like the biggest compliment that I can give Kobe is there was time that where like, I hated him. (laughs) I hated him after that 2001 finals. It's like, ah, I can't stand this guy because he's too good. Like that's the reason why I hated him was because he was too good. Um, the thing and, is- and that's been interesting, you know, to see in the aftermath of Philadelphia's reaction. Well, that was what I was going to say. It's interesting because maybe more so than any other place, we have such a strange relationship to Kobe Bryant. We we had his father, who was uh, a West Philadelphia guy, who uh, was a former Sixer. And uh, a lot of people give uh, Kobe grief that he grew up in, in in Italy, but I mean that was tied to the fact that his his father went over to to play in Italy and and became an Italian superstar and coached in the Italian league. And that's hey, Gene, why... how much uh, control did you have over uh, where he grew up? I, I had zero control over how <laughs> where I where I grew up, and I wouldn't mind of growing up in Italy, honestly. And if people wanted to hold that against me, um, but the thing that fascinated me was if you remember. Uh, going back, this kind of all jogged my memory to that time because we're semi-contemporary to Kobe. When Kobe was in high school, so were we to a certain degree. He's a little older than us, but not much. Um, and I can remember... He's a little older than you. He's a little older than me, but, he, you know... <laughs> But I, you know, I would have been a sophomore his senior yeah, year, basically. He's days older than Chuck yeah. and I. So <laughs> he... Uh, but do you guys remember... You know, he was, didn't have the kind of hype even like Garnett did having coming out of high school. A lot of people thought uh, that the Lakers were, you know, now you look back on it and say trading Vladi Divac for Kobe Bryant. Like, what the hell were you smoking? But honestly, like, Kobe did not come out with that same sort of like he's a lock kind of cachet that Garnett and, and LeBron had. Like, this this was a kind of a big risk to take him uh, at 18 years old. His, his, his game was not quite ready and he wasn't quite built the way like LeBron was a was a was an NBA player when he came out of high school uh but if you remember there was a lot of talk around Philadelphia about a lot of people really believe that by going to the NBA he was giving the middle finger to uh to the city of Philadelphia and not going to LaSalle or Temple or Villanova uh, you know, it felt like he grew. You know, he was a, a Philadelphia high school kid. It was only natural for him to go and and play for one of the big five schools, and and then go and, and and go to the NBA. But at least, you know, have some tie or glory to to the, the Philadelphia basketball scene. We it was so intense around here that there was there was talk radio uh, discussion on WIP about who he was going to take to prom. Uh, I remember days and, we- and days of speculating about what celebrity he was going to fly into Philadelphia to take with him to prom. Uh, you know, the you know who the shortlist for Kobe's prom date was going to be. That's how intense, you know, to a certain degree he was followed here. And then he to go and become a Laker, and then that just became it became he almost was like he was the prodigal son that that Philadelphia always had a chip about because we just we believe so much that anybody who grows up here and goes to high school here they should want nothing more than to achieve glory here i remember hearing that like all all the time people people complaining that kobe bryant wasn't philly enough right yeah and, and he's the, not a real Philly guy. And and you know I I, I can't whatever, man. I can't say that I didn't have those similar feelings. Certainly in two thousand and one, when it's like my God, how are we going to get beat by a Phil like of all people? 
you know, the the prodigal son is going to end up taking winning a championship in our building. We'll um, get used to it. We had <laughs> it yeah. happened last year to us. I know, and it happened. It's one of those <laughs> things, but. But that was the thing, and I feel like there was a certain amount of, and he used to get booed mercilessly at the Wells Fargo Center, and I think that there was always part of the way that us as fans reacted to him was, you know, you're you should be one of us. Why why don't you why don't you want us? And yeah, he embraced L.A. too much for but, Negadelphia yeah, fans. And but honestly, like there was never really, almost never really as good a match for a player in his city as Kobe in L.A. Maybe Magic in L.A. was as good a match, but Kobe just seemed to be able to reinvigorate that identity and you can't really fault somebody who maybe more than any other player that I can think of maybe more, more modern players will, will, will you, you see this kind of model but can you think of a player that that almost scripted or narrated his own career the way that Kobe did so much down to can you think of any other player that could possibly have pulled off as douchey a move as it is to halfway through your career, change your number. <laughs> yeah, the exact time you change your sponsorship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like any other player does. If 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 some d- cowboy pick a cowboy does that, we would be making fun of it still right now. If yeah. Des Bryant decided next year he was going to come out and be a different number, we would never let up. If Eli Manning had decided he was going to be, we would never let up. But, but I was going to say Eli since he was the one who kind of was like, "I'm not going to San Diego." And but Kobe, and he tried to script his own. But Kobe just kind of pulled it off, and not only did he pull it off in, in a in a storied franchise like like the Lakers, and I. You know my feelings about retired numbers. You know that I very specifically hate the way that it's done, and I, I don't believe in a lot of the things. But there was no—I I cannot argue with the fact that he not only changed his number, but that both are retired as a Laker because he was basically equal. If you look at his numbers, I they're almost— I don't understand that. They're both basically equal, you, so you've got to just retire them but, both. You can't just retire yeah, eight. No, you do the last one. You, you I think you could just 24. retire twenty four. Maybe, like, but that's it, but the there, essence of Kobe. But there's very few. But it's a, it's a much more feeble argument that you could make than maybe anybody else. I mean, it's it's stupid that you retire two numbers. It really is dumb. But well, I, I think Kobe also probably dictated you retire both. I, I, I and that's exactly wow. my point, Chuck. There is very there are no other players that I can think of that had achieved such a status that. Even in their douchiest moments, people still saw it as iconic. I, I think I'm just looking at ch- the choice in a vacuum. The the numbers, <laughs> I don't the the first number or the second number. Neither number is. Uh, I don't even know how I'm trying to say this. Like you don't need to retire both. Like one, the last one symbolizes his career. It doesn't. You don't need to remember him as eight and then remember him as like, oh, remember when he was eight and he did X, Y, and Z? And it's like, yeah, but when he was 24, he did A, B, and C. I think you just say like Kobe is awesome and he was 24. But it was one of those things where because there was no uh, – it's not like somebody came along and wanted to take the number or, or something like that. He articulated the fact that it was – he wanted to to show that it was post Shaq, like after he had won three titles with Shaquille O'Neal, he wanted to change his number as kind of like a like a resurrection of his career. Like this, these are the kinds of things the way he talked. If you watched him in interviews, I mean, I, however much you believe that, and I, I, 
uh, very little in most in most cases. <laughs> but with him, sometimes you would be like, yeah, you know what? He pro and he probably really did believe that. And if you remember, kind of when when Shaq left, everybody was like, well, we'll just see that Kobe's was was nothing without Shaq anyway. And then he went to like five finals and won two titles on his own. And Shaq never won a title without Kobe. Well, I also heard somewhere that it was because the he's this he was the believed successor to Jordan, so it was like twenty three and then twenty four. I think they're all which of is that... like, man, you're really gonna do that? Yeah, and he all of that kind of like now will become built into what is going to become a mythological figure. Uh, Kobe Bryant is going to move into that realm of mythology. I think you're going to hear stories that are going to get told and retold and retold to the fact that they they are going to get, become the stuff. Does legend. he get the wand of thunder now? The, the, he might get like the 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 hammer of thunder. Who knows? You know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's he's. It's just it, it's it's a crazy day to go back and think through all of the the complete picture that was Kobe because he certainly was not a perfect person. He certainly wasn't a perfect player. Uh, but you think about those mythological moments in his career, the the blowing out his Achilles and going and shooting two free throws and then walking off the court under a debilitating injury, uh, dropping 81. Uh, and you'll, I, I was listening to the radio and I couldn't remember. I, I felt like I had a distinct memory of watching him play in that 81-point game. But a lot of people that were calling were saying that it wasn't broadcast locally. It's another one of those things that's going to become like the Wilt game. If as many people watched it on TV and say they <laughs> saw it, uh, yeah. you could probably, you know, you could recolonize the entire solar system. But um, but those are the sorts of things like now, to a certain degree, everybody wants to be part of uh, the mythology that is uh, that's going to grow up around Kobe Bryant. And, and I, you know, Madison Square Garden went to, to purple and, 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 and gold today. Um, have you ever seen anything like uh, the the tributes that the Spurs and Raptors did today, where both teams came out and took twenty four second violations? I've never seen anything like that. That's pretty wild. Yeah, and that's that's a, a pretty nice spontaneous tribute. You know, something players doing in game, and it you know quote unquote hurts their team. But it's it, it's something that shows, hey, he's bigger than the game, and it's something I want to touch on um, with all the the great stuff that you said there, Gene. When Kobe came into the game, there was a bit of like, who does this kid think he is? You know, it's the son of a, a former player. Yeah, he's good, but is he is he really worth all the hype? Is it really worth, you know, national coverage of him taking Brandy to the prom? Um, and he slowly but surely throughout his career proved he really was great. And, you know, he's not a perfect human being. You know, there's conversation to be had about, you know, some of his off field behavior. But, you know, probably not today. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I, I mean, we, I, we've talked on this show about people having short memories and, you know, yeah, but I, I'm not sure how many people are remembering that today, but I, I've seen some of it. And it's this isn't, you know, exalting the man for being a wonderful human being. It's just a lot more shock. It's a lot more shock to lose someone so quickly 
so soon after their career and someone so influential on the sport they played. And, you know, I was thinking so much of Doc, the way the the things the two of them had in common, both the, you know, aviation death suddenly, but also living up to the hype. You know, Kobe came into the league under this extreme amount of hype and pressure and lived up to and exceeded every bit of it. And Halliday coming to Philadelphia, I always use him as the example of someone who met the hype. It's like he's not possibly worth it as a free agent. You know, no one can live up to this. And then he came into and and boy, did he live up to all the hype. Boy, did he live up to all the expectations. And you look at Kobe Bryant's career and and he did that in spades. Yeah, and it's it is funny that they were both basically the same age when this happened. And uh, they were both up for Hall of Fame induction um, later this year. And they'll both be going in uh, posthumously. So. One of the one of the things that the other thing that's interesting is I think that what this sort of illustrated as well, I don't know if you guys saw that shortly after this came out, uh, the soccer player Neymar uh, scored a second goal in the game he was playing today. And two things that were interesting about that. First, how fast news travels now. Um, This was another whole other part of the world uh, in a completely uh, almost uh, separate universe uh, as far as sports are concerned. And Nabar, in a celebration of his second goal, is flashing 2-4. Um, you know, and a guy that's respected... Wow, the as, news broke while he was in the game. And I think it, it happened while I was in the game. And, it, wow. it, and, while, and he's literally on the soccer pitch, you know? I mean, that's how fast news is being able to... To 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 get out to him, you know, maybe maybe they had they, they had taken the half. The other thing that I think that illustrates, and maybe more than any other of the four major American sports, um, hockey might be the exception, Chuck, uh, but basketball more so than baseball and and football is tr- becoming a much more global sport. Um, you could kind of see an outpouring of emotion from all sorts of corners of the world. Um, and uh, the other thing I want to point to as far as that's concerned is Joel Embiid on multiple occasions, and I think most recently he had an article in The Athletic where he said he watched Kobe play in the 2010 finals, and that's why he decided to play basketball. It's the first basketball he'd ever seen. And it's 2000. So within the decade, he went from being a soccer player in Cameroon, who was seven feet tall, to becoming a a starting center and all-star in the NBA. And to hear a guy who is built like Joel Embiid talk about how he wanted to model his game against uh, like Kobe's. um, Can you imagine if somebody could actually accomplish such a thing? But um, it just shows you that the influence that he had, that Joel Embiid 12 or 13 year old in Cameroon suddenly sees Kobe and goes, I want to be like that guy. And that's been happening all over the world. That's that's the the difference between uh, baseball, maybe, and 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 what the NBA is becoming in terms of a global game. You really just need a ball, you know, and a and a hoop, and you can kind of play it in all corners of the world. And I think that this is a the first example of the post dream team globalization. 
Yeah, the big difference between basketball and hockey in international popularity is that basketball is popular in the United States, and hockey's still working on that. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Basketball is a you know an easy game to understand. It takes very little resources to play a ball and two hoops, and you know it has translated all over the world. Yeah, but I mean, Kobe is so. Uh, it's just a like it's just such a it's such a local it's such a local tie. It feels even extra bizarre to me. Even you know, if this was, uh, I, I don't I don't I don't even know what a good comp would be uh, for someone who had just left the sport that was really you know like an automatic all time great. I don't know some an example is escaping me right now, but uh, but the, I, I just feel like the the closeness of it is so strange. It makes it feel extra weird to me. I mean, because Dave, yeah. weren't you like recently in basically the house that Kobe built? Yeah, I was in the Kobe Bryant. I was in the Bryant Gymnasium at Lower Marion High School on Friday night, looking at a display case of the the nets that were cut down from his state championship. Looking at his sneakers that he wore when he was in high school. Uh, it's, yeah, it was just it's just extra weird. Yeah, there, there's a, you know, as we're recording this, there's, you know, a vigil outside of, you know, Lower Marion. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And I I think, you know, our complication, our complicated relationship to Kobe says a lot. You know, it's like, was he really a Philly guy? But you know and what made it less complicated for me? I think I know where you're going to go with this. It's, it, it actually might be again. my favorite Kobe Bryant moment. Yep. Is this Super Bowl reaction video? 100%. 100%. You know, we've seen him, you know, wearing a McNabb jersey or a number eight, you know, Eagles jersey. We've known him to be a Philadelphia fan. And, you know, when the All-Star game was here, it was a little bit complicated then. But that Super Bowl video, the unbridled joy... And just the human, the 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 relatability of him as a Philadelphia sports fan, first and foremost, dad second, as he's holding <laughs> his newborn. I mean, and then like superstar athlete, way distant third. You know, we all remember seeing that last moment brady hail mary and holding our breaths you know hoping there's not a pass interference or or whatever the case may be and then he just loses it and he's one like the difference between kobe and and us is he did it in a nicer house what is a nicer house although mine's quite lovely um (laughs) is the fact that he's won his own championships oh that too He's held the trophy. He's reached the pinnacle of his career, and he still flipped out when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, just like everyone else did. And that really was like, okay, welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. He he has. He also there's another video where he kind of breaks down that video, explaining like what was running through his mind, and that's not fake. Like that, he was that that I buy that 100. percent There was true reaction there. It was complete. You know who we should have a complicated relationship with? Will Smith. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure Will Smith is Philly enough. Is Will Smith Philly enough? We can have this conversation another day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he's definitely interested in the Sixers. Um, is he? Is he? Is well, he interested in the Sixers? He's been to Sixers games. Has he? He has. has he? <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right. No, not we're, enough. We're gonna take. We're gonna have. We're gonna have this conversation at a later date. Okay, fine. I, I do want to explore this convers this Will Smith conversation. All right, but I mean, next to Bradley Cooper and David Boreanaz, Will Smith does pale in comparison to his with his fandom. Fair. Gene, anything to add on the uh, the, the the commitment to fandom? Well, I would also want to add Ryan Philby gotta... into that uh, into that who, who? Mix of the Ryan Philby. Okay. Well, I, I, you got to add Mike Trout in there, too. Oh, yeah, and Mike Trout. That's, that shit is legit. Yeah, so uh, I guess maybe uh, more of a, a way to transition. Um, you know, we were kind of talking, Is what comparable do you have in terms of, and maybe not just sports, but do, do you have any comparable as to sort of the, uh, the, uh, the amount of, uh, you know, kind of like the, the only way I can describe it is it was kind of a, you 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 just you feel unsettled for the rest of the day after something like this happens, and in some cases, you you know there are certain things that happen in in the world where you get like that morbid curiosity, um, where you want to you know you know, it, it, there's a certain desire to find out some grisly details about something, or there's something lurid about a story like this. This had that opposite effect where you know all I wanted information on was I wanted to hear what was happening, how other people were reacting. And I wanted to hear from the people that knew him uh, telling stories about the person. It was much, uh, a very different reaction than I normally have to uh, this sort of uh, tragedy. And I, I, I was not a, I'm not like a Kobe Bryant fan. I don't have a, a Kobe Bryant Jersey in my, my closet. I, and, and I had, I felt like I had 40 more years to not be a fan of Kobe Bryant's. And I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that him, him passing, changes how I I feel as far as my relationship to his career. But what I will say is that it does put into perspective how um, even what we deem to be these great superhuman heroes, like in the end, we are all members of families. We're all fathers. We're all we're all daughters and sons. And, 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 and just like any anybody else, tragedy can befall even people that we feel like have achieved so much that they become almost untouchable. So is, is there any sort of uh, uh, another moment maybe uh, that you could think of? And I'll tell you that the thing that immediately, and it was completely unrelated to sports that this kind of brought back to me was, I remember the day that John F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, you know, I can remember that very distinctly. I was, I was uh, a senior in high school and uh, getting ready to go to see a uh, see a concert and, and and hearing the news about John F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, passing. And it was one of those things where growing up in my house where my father, who was, uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, there was there was church family and the Kennedys was basically the mm -hmm. the way things worked in my house. Um, so it was it was kind of a weird connection. I don't know if there's any, uh, you know, other way to put it other than it was this strange you know not somebody that you knew but somebody you felt like you you know you were expecting to have a long uh, kind of a follow you know uh, almost like a 
I don't know what to call it, fandom, but you expected to see great things from their future. And I wonder if there's uh, something else where you feel like you, you've been, you're going to miss out on something that you were expecting. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, we were all expecting to see a second act from Kobe and, and now we're not, we're not going to get to see it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I definitely understand what you're saying, Gene. For me, the thing it brought back, probably because it was most recent, was Ray Emery's passing. And it's just the humanity of it all, that this is yeah. a thing that could happen to anybody. Yeah, he was in a helicopter, and most people don't travel by helicopter casually. But it was just an accident, and he, and he, and he died. And, and we haven't even mentioned that you know the poor family lost their, their daughter as well. Um, uh, one daughter, uh, I think his oldest daughter, was on the same helicopter, but, and maybe it has to do with following the details coming out on Twitter or whatnot, but Ray Emery was out on a fishing boat and drowned. Yeah. If you just you take know? the helicopter out of it and just say they were commuting to his daughter's basketball practice. Yeah. And you just say like, okay, well, how often do you commute to your kid's sporting events or birthday yeah. parties or after school activities or whatever it is because the same thing happened in a car right i mean yeah could end the same way yeah and it's it, it it's all the money and all the privilege and all the things that make us different from from kobe or ramry or doc holiday or or any number of people, they all go away real quick and just go, you know, somebody was here and then they weren't. Sure. And you, you, you can't buy your way out of that. No fame, no money, no anything's going to save you from one of your time. Or... Yeah. The, just, you know, the, the frailty of the human body. And so it was, I saw a lot of reaction of, no, this can't be real. And that sort of thing, which is just what you experience when, I mean, um, not to make this too real, but we all had a college friend, associate, you know, we we had a, a person in our lives pass away this week. And we sort of heard it from the through the grapevine that this college friend of the three of ours had passed away. And it was a very similar reaction of. Dave, you shared it with the group, and my first reaction was, "Oh, I'm misreading this. This, this farewell to this person we all know—it's it, too casual. It can't be. He didn't really die, you know." And then, and, and then going through, and it's like, "Oh, it turns out no. This this person was was sick with cancer and and succumbed to it, and." You yeah, know, survived it, by a wife and you know and a couple kids. of kids, and it's like, geez, man. It's, yeah, it's it's the same. It's the same way you process it of going, oh, this isn't real. Oh, oh, yes, it is. And here are all the things that it means for for all the people. I mean, it's the you know not to be too sentimental or or whatever, but it's the great equalizer. You know, Kobe. Kobe was. A parent. He was somebody's kid. He was somebody's friend, and and he's not around anymore. So, what do you what do you um what do you what do you think is gonna 
be the future uh, here? What do you think? How do you think that we're going to see the NBA react? Maybe sports in general. We've seen a lot of um, we've seen a lot of people, you know, talking about doing Much. these in-game uh, celebrations. We had Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks maybe making the biggest, boldest, taking the biggest and boldest position of any organization so far uh, by going ahead and retiring 24 as from the Mavericks. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's a little premature. Um, but, I mean, certainly an interesting uh, take. I don't see a lot of uh, – I don't see the – you know, obviously the Lakers aren't going to have anybody wear 24 again. But, you know, it, part of the, the thing that I, when I get upset about retiring numbers is this. I remember as a kid um, when, I, when we would be divvying up things – uh, you know our uniforms before we would 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 go out to play, uh, whether it was base, basketball or soccer or whatever. You know there were iconic numbers, and I imagine you know my nephew probably when when he you know he's at his baseball camp and everybody gets to select a number. I know that he probably gravitated toward a number ten for for uh, JT Real Muto because because that's his favorite player, and uh, the idea that maybe I, I would gravitate towards a certain number and then achieve. Uh, you know, a, a great plateau in a career and become a professional athlete. And maybe I want to wear that that number, you know, in honor. It, that's what I mean. I, I feel like there's a certain amount of, you know, taking a number out of play, it, it should be given a certain amount of seriousness. Um, Let me ask you this, Gene. How would you feel about the Los Angeles Dodgers retiring number 24? It, it may already be retired. I have no idea. I, I, and and I, I, I see your point. And I I don't I, think you, you know, should. With, with like, Magic being a uh, you know an owner. Yeah, I think and that was a connection to the city. It's not a it's not an unrealistic unre- uh, scenario. But uh, you know, my position it would make be, more sense than the Mavericks retiring it, right? Absolutely, would make more sense than the Mavericks because you're 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 re- showing a, a a measure of respect to that same regional fandom um you know i gotta be honest we don't like we didn't like kobe the player for a lot of reasons but you know the dallas mavericks played the lakers a hell of a lot more than than the 76ers did so you know and we lost a title to them and and i know that there was some epic epic playoff series between mavericks and, and and the lakers it would be the the equivalent the only thing i could think of would be if if the Sixers wanted to to retire Vince Carter's number or or, or something like that or or a Celtic. Um, you know, we're not going to retire Jason Tatum's number. You know, it. it I, know I these would are... I would riot in the streets if we retired a Celtic a number for to honor a Celtic. But <laughs> but don't you feel? I mean, maybe the Mavericks probably a more natural rival is 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 the the San Antonio Spurs. But to still still to a certain degree, you do you want your owner coming out and retiring regardless of circumstances retiring former adversary player numbers? No, I, I, it, just it would have to like... be a mandate from the league to do it. Yeah, for it, me to be like, yeah, okay, Emmett, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it'll happen. It, and it will also be very weird if the Mavericks are the only team that does it. Yeah, it, it's it is weird, and it does feel so reactionary, you know, and like just not well thought out, and you know, there's so many things where. See, here's the thing: why would it happen? Like, why would it happen? So yeah. 
it, it would ha- it happened because he died a de- an accidental death early. Yeah. If he died at 90, nobody would retire his number. Yeah. Outside of LA. So yeah. that's the only reason that another organization would choose to do it. Yeah, and it's not even like he passed away in Dallas. You know, it's not even like the Sixers were the ones doing it. Like, hey, this is a Philly boy made good. We're going to honor him. Even that would make more sense. Oh, yeah, make much more sense. It's just, I, if you want to honor him, to have a Kobe Bryant night of the, you know, the beloved adversary, the guy we love to hate on the court, you know, you'll be missed in this world. And it just sort of cheapens it, you know, the idea of retiring a jersey should be special and should really be tied to an organization and athletic achievement or, you know, if somebody, you know, passed away early or whatever the case may be, that there's some affection for them just to go, yeah, the Mavericks are retiring his number. I'm like, it's 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 crass for lack of a better phrase it's it seems exploitive it seems trivial it it's just in poor taste well it also was counter very much to what i imagine kobe the person what his character was because if you remember it was very clear he had made an announcement that he was on his playing in his last season and he was making what would be a farewell tour through all of the different cities in the NBA, but had made it very clear that he didn't want to have any sort of ceremony before any of the uh, any of the games. Um, this was a guy who wanted to go out in the way that he went out. Uh, you know, this is a guy that still had a little laugh in the tank. He dropped 60 in his final game. Uh, but he didn't want to be celebrated as kind of like, a you know, anything other than another player on the field, uh, on the court. And, and, you know, if crowd crowds, you know, certainly gave him ovations that uh, he didn't normally get, even the Wells Fargo Center, if you ever listen to that clip of his, la- the last time uh, he was announced on the Wells uh, Fargo floor, he got a huge ovation, which was not something that he got very much in Philadelphia. Um, so it seems to me that it's it's one of those cases where Mark Cuban or whatever panel of people in, in that organization that made this decision, it just feels like they, they they just seem out of touch with what probably the man himself would have wanted. I, I can't imagine that he was seeking to have his number retired in any other gym other than Los Angeles. He was a Laker for life. He did. He had certainly had opportunities to go other places, and he only played in one one uniform. So he certainly doesn't want his number re- i i just feel like he he wouldn't have wanted his number retired in other uniforms all right uh well i mean just to kind of end this thing i think the biggest tragedy to come out of this whole thing is that there there was so much left uh of kobe and he was you know sort of reinventing himself you know as part of this like entertainment uh arena and I think he would have been um, a great ambassador for the women's game, uh, particularly, uh, you know, with his daughters playing, um, you know, in the, I don't know, it was, it was like the the Mamba uh, clinic or something for women's. I mean, I, I just think he would have been a great uh, ambassador uh, for both both ba- the men's basketball, but, you know, also for women's basketball, bringing it to uh, prominence. But um, any final thoughts, guys? Any uh, Any last words on this? 
So I think what also really got kind of lost in the shuffle here is that the Sixers kind of like beat the best road team in the NBA without Joel Embiid and uh, Josh Richardson. So you're out two starters and you beat the best road team uh, in the NBA at home. And it got, it got a lot, a lot of it got overlooked Saturday night because of uh, LeBron passing Kobe. And then obviously today it got totally uh, lost in the shuffle, but um, I mean, an important game, an important win. Uh, We're still in this. I don't know how, but we're still in this mix uh threatening for a two seed i i don't know how it's happening but it it, it is and uh, i i don't know what to say about the sixers they they are really they 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 make me feel many emotions uh and they age me quite quite greatly <laughs> more than any other team i can think of in in recent memory although i feel like at some point the phillies probably had a similar effect on me um Although when the Phillies were good, they generally were, you know, pretty good the whole way. But this Sixers team, more than any other team I can remember, they have this Jekyll and Hyde sort of personality where when they are, when they have taken that medicine and they are the monster, they they can literally beat anybody. But sometimes they're just that lowly scientist that can barely scratch past sub-500 teams. Although it seems like there's some sort of connection between the Sixers and that building at home. Uh, more, I, I can't think of a Philadelphia team in my recent memory. Chuck, there was probably a Flyers team in the 80s maybe that had this sort of uh, connection to playing at home that the Sixers have. But they I do... think the 2019-2020 Flyers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. The Flyers' home record is ridiculous. If it... I mean, the Wells Fargo Center is the place to be. Uh, yeah, and it, it's amazing right because, now. you know, at least I don't know if you guys have noticed it. It doesn't. It seems like they've had better ice in some cases on the road. Um, but but it's just amazing to me that the, the Sixers, it's almost as if, if when, they, when they can all just agree that we are going to – play the way that we need to play for the entire game that they can beat anybody. The problem Listen, is... Listen, I will say, if you ever go on FanDuel or DraftKings or wherever and the Sixers are playing at home and they're getting points, bet that game. Bet the Sixers. I mean, the Sixers were getting four points in that game. Oh, it went up to five and a half. It was oh, five and a half at tip. It was five and a half at tip. Yeah, it was five and a half at tip. But the thing that's, in, that's really insane about this Sixers team, I feel like, and having watched almost every minute of this whole season, they they it just takes so much, I think, mental effort and physical effort to play their A game that it, it is absolutely mentally taxing and mentally exhausting to play at that level that they need to play to be effective for that long. And I think that more than any other team, they just it's just so difficult to keep your edge that long. The other thing is they are very dependent on streaky shooters. They are very dependent on being able to stop runs by being able to shoot from distance. And if they if they can't do it, then they will get get behind. Um, 
and they have got to go into that shell lockdown defense in order to kind of get themselves up. And it, it is difficult to play that intense uh, defense against other NBA teams, especially good ones. Well, defense expends vastly more energy than so offense much more. Does. And we have all world defenders on this team. Absolutely. But all world. Not, defenders. You don't have all world scores. We do not. Ha- we have far from a world score. We, we, you know, Furkan Korkmaz and Mike Scott, like those are our, our, you know, and, and it, it just, so I am, I, I am also optimistic. The corpse of Mike Scott, the corpse that... of ugh, God, he needs to get, get it going. But I, I really do feel oh, that's that... bad today, right? Chuck yeah, grimaced on me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was hoping we were going to go past that and not. But no, no, go on, go on, Mike, Mike Scott. And... I apologize. I apologize. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that there is a there's a move in here somewhere that does not uh, expend one of our an asset that could be, you know, basically uh, mortgaging the future. I hope, uh, you know, I have a, I have a belief in Elton brand and um, I- I'll tell you, I, if you if I, give up Derek Rose for Mike Scott, Zaire Smith and a second round pick. We're supposed to start to see Zaire soon. I think, I, I think he that played he... in the Lakers game. He got hurt. <laughs> got hurt in the first quarter of the Lakers. Yeah. Game. Well then, 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 Chicago can have him, or Detroit can have him, wherever Derrick Rose is. Here's the other thing that's driving me nuts. Can we stop with Brett Brown overreaction theater? Every game they lose, I hear he's got to go. Every game they win, I hear the the other side come out and go, where's all the Brett Brown haters now? And, you know, after Friday night's game, uh, idiot Marcus Hayes goes out and tweets, you know, something about, uh, what a great coach Brett Brown is because, you know, he beat the, he beat the Lakers, you know, with two starters out of the line. Look, it is, we need to agree that when we're making an assessment on Brett Brown, first of all, nothing is going to happen in the middle of the season. And I don't think anybody wants anything to happen in, in the middle of the season, or at least anybody who actually wants to make a run this year shouldn't want any changes in the middle of the season this year. But when we look at this at the end of the year, I don't want to look at it as like, well, did he beat the Lakers once when uh, he was shorthanded with two starters, or, or you know, did he did he lose one game against the uh, the the Hornets that they should have won, you know, or whatever that is, or did he win X game in the playoff? It is body of work evaluation. Did the yeah. team did the team accomplish what you expected them to accomplish this season? You know, after watching the course of the events with your own eyes, and were they consistent and? Uh, like all these questions need to be answered before we make a decision on whether Brett Brown needs to be the coach, you know, in, in the 2020, 2021 season or not. And I think we need to get off of Brett's got to go. Brett's got to stay now. Yeah. I, I think anyone who's reacting to one game as a, a judgment for Brett Brown's tenure is doing it completely wrong. It's a question of Dave, like you say, the body of work the question of, you know, is he the right guy to get us to the next step? That doesn't mean win a game, lose a game. That means, okay, we have a, you know, there's a belief we have enough players to win the East and, you know, go to the NBA Finals. Is he the guy to take us there? If not, you know, maybe bring in somebody else. The other question is, has he lost the room? You know, is... Mm -hmm is Brett Brown still the guy to motivate these players? And if you're looking at any single game or going up and down 
you know, based on just the results of game in, game out, that's not the way to do it. You have to look for a trend. You have to look for, I think we talked about last show or maybe the show before, of, you know, the damning thing of Ben and the threes. Of Ben, I want you to mm-hmm. shoot a three-pointer every game. And Ben just says, yeah, nuts to you. I'm not doing it. You know, is that a good nature that I can I can blow off my coach? Or is it I am not listening? And if it's I'm not listening, if those guys go, all right, Brett, whatever, then maybe it's time for a change of scenery. But it doesn't matter if he won last game by a couple points or a blowout or whatever the case may be. And I will say Brett does not motivate these players. He does not motivate. From my observation, he does not. What motivates these players is national game, is spotlight game. It's marquee opponent. Uh, because that's when these guys get up. Oh, Bucks on Christmas Day, best team in the NBA. Psh, no problem. Uh, you know, Lakers on the road on a Saturday night with LeBron possibly uh, hitting a big milestone. Muscle yeah. up. Yeah, I mean that game was also at home, but I mean, you know, are we are we playing Celtics, Boston? <laughs> Celtics on the road after you get called out by the the TNT crew. Yeah. <laughs> No problem. These games are no-brainers. So that's why I'm very hopeful for the playoffs. Pelicans on a Tuesday in New Orleans lose by 15. Yeah, no, that's no Zaire, right? But because if uh, – I'm sorry, no Zaire. That's no Zion because if Zion was playing, they're going to get up for that. Right, right. Uh, so you know, we'll see. That's, I'm very hopeful for the playoffs. I'm still, I'm still like, holding out that this, they're going to, like, flip the switch. I Dave, don't know that if they can do it, but they're going to try. Dave, is this the team as constructed – the 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 nine eight man nine man rotation is this that is that the playoff rotation or do you think that there's going to be some jockeying or some maneuvering? Do you see a move? There 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 might be a move, but if it involves moving Matisse Thibault, I'm pretty much way out. Yeah, way way out. So uh, anyway, okay. Um, Real quick, I have, I have a check. Maybe we yeah. have the same question for Chuck. Uh, my question is, Chuck, is the NHL? all-star game completely irrelevant or non-existent you have those are your only two choices um that's a very good question gene that's Um, rude gene that was a rude question (laughs) (laughs) it is merely completely irrelevant um it is not non-existent um the the nhl all-star game the skills competition I still will stand behind the skills competition tends to be, you know, decent entertainment this year. I thought was kind of meh, but it was, you know, skills competition is, is decent entertainment. The game itself, they keep trying to revamp and they've done some creative things like the all-star captain picking people like it's a backyard, you know, football game, the three on three tournament, but it only keeps people interested for so long. I think the all-star game should be outside. Yeah. Put it outside. This, I, I don't, I don't stress much about the all-star game. It's something that keeps sponsors happy. It's something for kids and, Man, I'm gonna beat this horse until it's dead, and it's it's one of Dave's favorite points. It's one of my favorite points. Part of the Potadelphia platform. If it's for kids, put it at a time they can watch it. The All Star Game used to be on Sunday afternoon. It was like at two o'clock. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to 
eight o'clock or whenever the hell it started last night, but it was nine thirty in the evening and only halfway through. Hold on, the wait, game... wait, wait, wait. Was the was the Pro Bowl today? The Pro Bowl, uh, the was, Pro Bowl today. was today. Oh. And completely Damn. overshadowed by the death of Kobe Bryant. I don't, I don't even know. Okay. Uh, the 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 I think it was the gold team because that that's another one where it's they're not even on the same teams anymore. Oh, it's, it's not, not like you go uh, east west or yeah, no, it's not even NFC uh, AFC. It's it's team. Oh, who special cares? I know they played dodgeball in the skills competition. It was actually pretty. Yeah. <laughs> God, get lost. I mean, we long came to the conclusion that baseball is the only one worth watching. Hockey, yeah, I like basketball. Yeah, basketball. I like hockey too. I like I like the All Star. I like them all except the Pro. Well, Bowl. I like the All Star game. Yeah, the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl is unwatchable. But you know, throw it on. And I did exactly that Saturday evening. Threw it on as background noise. We had a a friend over, and you know, we're just chit chatting. My wife and I, and and it was on the background. It was you know, conversation, conversation. Oh, they scored three goals. Okay. You know, it, so it's fine. It's, I don't think it's a major problem except for the fact the inaccessibility to kids. You know, all-star games matter so much to like kids. They, it's something where they go, Travis Konechny's an all-star. Do you know what this means for his career? In the long, in the real sense, not very much, but for <laughs> for kids and for younger people, it means a lot to go. He is an all star, you know. So you know what else should be inaccessible for kids? Chuck's penalty box. Yes. So um, I don't think we've had a minor in the penalty box yet. Um, it's still young enough. You know, there is no age restriction on the penalty box. Um, Dave, let's begin with you. Dave, who is going into your penalty box this evening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm putting a slam online in my penalty box. I saved this one from, from last week because it bothered me so much. <laughs> um, I think this is formerly Slam Magazine. Uh, that would be my guess. Yeah. So Slam Online, they, they, they tweeted a picture of Markel Fultz. Uh, in his Orlando uh, jersey saying, uh, <laughs> Markel, dead ass, sat and listened to everyone hate on him for two straight years, all the while knowing what he was capable of. That's elite mental toughness. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. Great. Validation. This this makes no damn sense. And I've seen this take uh, on Twitter a lot over the past couple weeks. The NBA community needs to understand that the Philadelphia fan base has never been more supportive of a player than they have been for Markel Fultz through all of this nonsense, all of this bullshit for us to still get this take that we hated on him for two straight years. I mean, we're hating on him for two straight years, like going on two straight years now. Right. But that's since he left the team. This is a ridiculous take. Uh, you've now lost all credibility with anybody in the Philly market that was ever looking at your garbage. And so for that, slam online. You're going into the penalty box. And is is, is, is Markel Fultz approaching like all-star level? Did I miss a memo? I think he averages 10 points a game. Okay. Right wow, cool. Okay, so for slam. Da, 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 da. <laughs> 
Let the boys be boys. Be boys. Yeah. You are going into the penalty box. You're getting a double minor. Two minutes for thinking that somehow Mark Hall Fultz was the epitome of cool restraint in Philadelphia and another two minutes for thinking somehow Philadelphia was mean to him if you want to see Philly be mean we have plenty of other examples all right Chuck dropping the onyx on us I like it (laughs) all right Gene what do you have for us this evening so uh, listeners welcome to something called Chuck's first star. Uh, I'm not Chuck. I'm Gene. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna name a first star in our first ever Chuck's first star segment. This is off to a rousing success. I have. Yeah, to I know. But and, and and especially considering our earlier conversation, I'm gonna put a pro bowler into. I'm gonna name a pro bowler my first star of the day. Pro Bowler Fletcher Cox. Do you guys know where I'm going with this now? Oh, I don't. I thought this was going to be a professional bowler. No, no, no. Yeah, I thought it was a pun as well. No, it's <laughs> it's a player for the Philadelphia Eagles representing the team in the NFL Pro Bowl. Uh, so during the game, I don't know if you you obviously Dave didn't know what happened. Today, I know nothing about. This. So he did. Yep, he didn't too. catch it. Uh, but um, there was a there was a play during the game. Uh, Russell Wilson, quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, threw an interception to Harrison Smith. Uh, Harrison Smith made the interception, lateraled the ball back to Fletcher Cox, who scurried in for a 61-yard touchdown in the Pro Bowl. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the longest defensive touchdown in Pro Bowl history. And that and about 25 cents will get you a phone call. So... Uh, but hey, Fletcher Cox, so glad to have uh, you know you join the uh, Eagles' uh, roll book of huge Pro Bowl performances, along with Nick Foles' game-winning touchdown pass and MVP performance. Now you, Fletcher Cox, have the longest defensive touchdown in Pro Bowl history. So for that, you get a star. All right, so. Uh, la première étoile, the first star of the evening, Fletcher Cox. Was that about my French? I, I just thought it was something different for the, okay. the stars. We needed to have another sound effect. Okay. <laughs> Chuck, who's in your penalty box? All right. We're going back to All-Star Games, um, and we're going to the NHL All-Star Game where Green Day played. Uh, they did a couple of songs um, in a rather disjointed set where the members of Green Day looked as old as they actually are, and the audience felt the age as well. But Green Day um, swore during during their performance. I think Billy Joe Armstrong said like come on you guys get the fuck up or something like that during one of the sets and it was bleeped out and um i think during long view they you know um you know did the unedited version of the song and i saw a lot of reaction to this a ton of reaction most of it tongue-in-cheek but some like oh the nhl is getting pissed off over this you know, the NHL signed a two-year deal with Green Day. 
oh, you know, you can get away with, you know, calling somebody an ethnic or homophobic slur in the ice, but not not Green Day's potty mouth. Oh, the NHL is so outraged. And it was a barrage of people patting themselves on the back over the NHL's purity police you know, cracking down on Green Day's profanity. And it'd be a lovely point if the NHL said anything. <laughs> the NHL had no comment. You know, maybe somebody in an interview I didn't see say, yeah, we'd rather that didn't happen. But there was no comment. There was no statement. This was not even the first time. Snoop Dogg um, was like DJing at an All-Star game, if not last year or the year before. And... He put on some record and it was just like straight up F-bombs for like 10 seconds. And Doc Emmerich came on and apologized saying, sorry for Snoop, but he's Snoop. And that was that. Like, So for NHL critics and NHL fans producing false outrage over real obscenity, you're getting a two minute minor. Be better. Find something else to be angry about. Maybe they were angry about like the the you know the the broadcast editing it you know and they they some people associate that with the NHL having control over the the dump button but I hate to break it to you folks the NHL doesn't have any control over what gets dumped or what the 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 length of the delay is on the broadcast trust me if yep. the NFL had had any control over that when Janet Jackson showed off her tit we would have been in a totally different world right now <laughs> That's some revisionist history. She showed it off. <laughs> well, also, I'm just having this vision of the alternate universe. It's like sliders. Like, oh, what happened here? What 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 in history changed? Janet Jackson's nipple wasn't exposed on national TV. <laughs> oh God, what happened? There was no second Bush term of presidency. You know, the economic turnaround happened years earlier. Hold on. I, I'm, still, on getting over, I'm still getting over the sliders reference. <laughs> uh, I mean, anytime I can reference my homeboy, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. and My secret identity. Yes, my secret identity featuring prominently the, like, Sega Master System or whatever it was, the alternative to Nintendo, that I would always figure... You know, watching it on you know TV Sunday mornings along with Superboy. <laughs> We're going there, folks. <laughs> we haven't wasted enough of your time this week. All right, but... that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> we will be back uh, next Monday uh, reviewing uh, Chuck's Saturday morning cartoon lineup from his childhood. <laughs> all right, well, first there was the Snorks. Well, actually, first we want to get really into it. Top hat started oh, save around it for like the show there. next week, Chuck. Save it for the okay. show next week. We'll, 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 we'll totally break it down. Um, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and also be sure to check us out on social media Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, be sure to check out our sister show, The Whip Around, uh, with new episodes every Wednesday to uh, fill your commute with chuckles about the week's. Weird news headlines. Uh, and, uh, and we'll see you next Monday. Have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here. <laughs>